This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Our scripture reading this morning can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Again, that is Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Thank you, Dom. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you, and as you have your Bibles open to Luke 18... Um, Let's just take a moment to pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity we have to pray each and every day. We're thankful, Lord, that we know that when we pray, we're heard not because of our good works or our efforts, but because of Christ. We're thankful for him who came and took on human flesh. We're thankful for him who sits now resurrected and now ascended and sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We're thankful that he makes intercession for us. We're thankful to know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace 
and know that we're heard. And not only we heard, as a good, compassionate Father, you will always do what is right and best for us. Lord, what a great privilege it is to know that we can come to you and to know that we're cared for. Lord, help us in this hour as we struggle with our own inward struggles or physical ailments or even emotional conflicts, God. We pray that you would minister to our whole being. God, I pray that you would direct our steps. And as we pray each and every week, we pray that when we leave here, we wouldn't be the same people walking in, but that we would be changed by your word and through your spirit. We pray that you would guide us, that direct us, convict us, lead us, truly change us, Lord. I pray that you would guard my words, that I would not say anything more nor less than you've given me to say. But God, I pray that I'd be faithful to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. If you haven't picked up the theme yet, let me help you out. Prayer. <laughs> it's interesting when you look at chapter 18, verses 1 through uh, 14, it's very clear about prayer. And you come to the, sec- the last section there that was read. And some of you may be wondering why that was even read with this section. But just hold on. We'll get there. What I want to focus on is prayer. I want us to think through prayer. I want us to wrestle with prayer. The truth is, praying can be hard. Can I get an amen to that? Praying can be hard. We fight for the right words. We get distracted. And the truth is, we even fall asleep when we pray. And yet as believers, we recognize our deep need to pray. For we are powerless, but we pray to one and we talk to one who is all-powerful. Friends, that's why prayer is such a special gift especially in the hard seasons. Seasons when we've faced personal difficulty or struggle like physical illness or mental exhaustion. Prayer can be a special gift. Or maybe the hard seasons come when we are faced and forced to watch someone we love struggle physically or emotionally. Prayer can be a blessing. The truth is the hard seasons regularly find us. It even finds us in our recliners as we're watching TV where all of a sudden a news broadcast interrupts and we're told that 9-11, the great events that have marked history, occurred. Or as we sit in our recliners fearing and watching the world shut down because of COVID, prayer is a blessing. In these hard seasons, we discovered the sweet benefits of prayer. In our text this morning... We see Jesus continuing what he's already begun. If you, if you look back to chapter 17 and just put your finger on verse 22, it says, And he said to the disciples. From that point forward, he continues to talk to the disciples. In fact, in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And he told them, the disciples, about prayer. He's teaching them about prayer. He's directing his disciples to the importance of prayer. Why is Jesus doing this? Well, we've been saying this through this entire series that Jesus is preparing them for something hard. He's preparing them for his departure. He's explained to them just recently that they live in the already, not yet. They're living in the tension of this world. And so now we see Jesus offer two parables and one situation to make his point. The first thing Jesus begins to address regarding prayer is that prayer needs to be persistent. 
Look what he says in verse 1. You ought always to pray and don't lose heart. You ought always to pray and don't lose heart. Let's step back for a moment. What is prayer? What do we mean when we say prayer? Well, our own confession of faith helps us here. It defines prayer. In the shorter catechism, it gives this answer regarding the question, what is prayer? It says, prayer is the offering up of our desires unto God. But it doesn't stop there. It continues and says, for things agreeable to his will, in the name of Christ, with confession of our sin. And notice this last part. And thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Many of us maybe have grown up in Sunday school and heard the old acrostic for prayer, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's exactly what is there in our confessional statement. That prayer is to be all of those things, a time of adoring God, a time of confessing sin, a time of thanking Him for His goodness, and yes, a time of supplicating, making Him to hear our requests. And yet, we see Jesus often would get away to pray. As you read through the Gospels, you can't help but see this. Jesus would often leave the, the multitudes to get alone with God to pray. The disciples noticed this as well. We're told that they actually asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And how did Jesus do this? Well, he taught them the Lord's Prayer, which goes like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. These are the words that Jesus taught his disciples regarding prayer. He was basically giving them the outline of prayer, what would be expected in prayer. And yet now in our text, Jesus calls for persistent prayer. He calls the disciples to always be praying and never losing hope, never giving up. This isn't unique to Jesus. We see the Apostle Paul build on this. When he writes the letter to the first Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. This idea of constant prayer, being in a constant state of prayer. How often we use this when someone catches us eating without praying first, and we say, well, I'm in a constant state of prayer, right? We, we want everyone to know we're in a constant state of prayer. We're persisting in prayer. Yet Jesus makes it clear that we ought always to pray and never lose heart. Friends, the point is simple. The point is this. Persistent prayer is important because we will face hard seasons. Jesus was preparing his disciples for those hard seasons. And prayer is a blessing. To make his point, Jesus offers a parable. A parable containing two characters. A story has two characters. The first is a judge. The judge is described as one who neither fears God nor respects man. It's interesting here that if this judge were a Jew, he would have already violated the very calling of what it means to be a godly judge for he did not fear god as it says in the text by not fearing god the judge recognizes no universal ethic outside of himself 
He is God to himself. And this is the way he judges. We're told that this judge is approached by a widow. And this widow doesn't just approach him once, but she's persistent in her approach of this judge as she seeks justice. The picture that Jesus gives is this widow seeking justice. She keeps bothering this judge even after hours. You can imagine her sitting, waiting outside of his office. I just need a moment with you. I just need you to benefit me or hear my case. Or maybe knocking at his door of his home late in the evening. Please hear me. Please deal with my situation. Or maybe she even arrives at his personal social events, making notice that she is in great need of deliverance. She's persistent. She's present. She's constant. Eventually, we're told that the judge, who neither fears God nor respects man by his own admission, gives in to this widow because he, she keeps bothering him. Look what he says in verse 5. She will not, be, she will not stop beating the judge down. <laughs> she keeps continually coming to him. In verses 7 to 8, this is the point that Jesus makes. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Notice the comparison Jesus gives between this unjust judge and the perfect judge. Jesus continues in verse 8, he says, Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Friends, what Jesus is saying is if the wicked judge, who does not fear God, but only views himself as God, will give in to this woman because of her persistence, how much more will a just God give in to what we need? The word speedily there at the very end of verse 8 is important. It draws us to the action of God that God at just the right moment in just the right way meets our need. But then we notice at the end of verse 8 this question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Notice the Son of Man coming. This is an allusion back to the kingdom, the not yet kingdom, the second coming of the Son of God. When he arrives, what will he see in his church amongst his people? Will he see faith? Will he see persistent prayer? In the church, I ask you these questions. Do you know the joy of being able to give God your concerns? Have you experienced the joy of actually being able to go to God in prayer? Are you praying with persistence? We all admitted, or most of us anyway, at the very beginning of this, that praying is hard. And the truth of the matter is to pray with persistence is hard. But friends, remember, God is good. God is all-powerful. And God is a loving Father who truly is concerned with your life. Jesus then moves into a second motion of prayer. He now offers a comparison. After the parable of the persistent prayer, Jesus now offers a comparison of prayers, specifically a comparison of the content of prayers. 
Now in his parable, Jesus talks about two men who went to the temple to pray. A one who depended upon himself and another who depended upon God. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The first content of prayer is a prayer filled with pride. In verses 11 and 12, we get a glimpse of the Pharisee's prayerful pride, a, prayer, a prideful prayer. I want to read it to you. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tithe of all I own. Do you hear it? Five times in that short prayer, he uses the word I. I, I, I. The prideful Pharisee took confidence in his own actions. He depends on himself. He's depending on his regular going to the temple. He's depending upon his fasting. He's depending upon his tithing as if it makes him better than others, as he compares others to himself, saying, I'm not like them. The problem is he doesn't see his own sin, his own need, his own need for dependence. Thinking so highly of himself, he looks down others, specifically this tax collector. But then we're given the content of a second prayer, the prayer of a sinner, This tax collector wouldn't even look up to heaven. In fact, we're told he beat his chest and he cried out these words. Notice the simplicity of his prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice his posture. He's standing afar off. He won't even look up to the heavens and he continually beats his own chest. The simplicity of his prayer is important as much as the posture of his prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's crying out for help outside of himself. He's crying out for dependence. See, Jesus then tells us that unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector went away justified. This is important because it tells us the tax collector, the one who wouldn't even look to heaven, the one who stood afar off, the one who beat his own chest, was the one who was right with God. It wasn't that he gave his list of all of his actions, all of his gifts, all of his doings. No, he looked to God alone in utter dependence. He pled the mercy of God. It's a picture of the mercy seat. The mercy seat is that place where the blood was poured and covered over was a picture of where on the Day of Atonement sins were cared for. It looked and foreshadowed the work of Christ. The writer of Hebrews in 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. This tax collector looking for forgiveness cries out for mercy. And where will mercy be found but in the blood of Jesus? Mercy is found in Christ. It's in Christ that we utterly depend Finally, Jesus gives these words in verse 14. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus gives us a comparison of prayer and shows us which content is acceptable. Church, I ask you, what is the content 
of your prayers? What makes up the prayers that you pray? Do you find yourself in comparison with others? Do you find yourself explaining to God all the good things you've done in hopes that he will do something for you? Or do you come humbly admitting your need and your dependence solely on him? Church, I remind you of which of the two went away justified. Not the Pharisee, not the religious man, but the tax collector. What is the content of our prayers? The question really is, are we humbly depending upon Christ? That's the call for each and every one of us, to humbly depend upon Christ. And now lastly, we come to this section which is entitled for me, The Posture of Prayer. We dealt with the content, we dealt with the repetition of prayer or the persistence of prayer, but now we deal with the posture of prayer. We have seen Jesus use two parables, and now we see Jesus use one event to make his point. The reason I draw the attention here is because Luke himself does. Luke takes this event and places it right here on the heels of these two parables to make a thematic point. Luke alone does that. And as he does that, he's drawing us to understand what it is that he has been saying, or we should say, what Christ has been saying. What's the event? The event is that people are crowding around Jesus, and mothers and fathers are bringing their children to Christ. They're asking Jesus or expecting Jesus to accept their children, to touch their children. In fact, it even says that they're bringing infants. The text goes out of its way to say it's not just children, but infants. The disciples seeing this rebuke the parents. They want to put a stop to it, saying this is unacceptable. You you shouldn't be doing this to such a great rabbi, to such a great leader. This is unacceptable. And I draw your attention to verse 16 and the words of Jesus. Let the children come unto me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Let the children come unto me. Church, understand this, that children don't have a worked out theology, do they? (laughs) They don't have a robust understanding. In fact, the thing about a child, especially an infant that's used in this illustration is that they're utterly dependent. They were utterly dependent upon their parents to bring them to Jesus. They were utterly dependent upon what Jesus would do. The picture here is utter dependence. That's why I believe Luke even points out infants were being brought to Jesus wasn't what the children could do. It wasn't what the Pharisee could do. It wasn't what the tax collector could do. It wasn't what the widow could do. It's always about what God can do. And that's the point. That's the point of prayer. That's why we should be persistent in prayer. That's why our content shouldn't be about ourselves, but admitting our need. And that here is found in the example of the children being brought to Jesus. Notice Jesus' words. He says, I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Again, it's not based upon grand knowledge. 
It's coming dependently. It's coming humbly. That's the picture, isn't it? That's the picture of the kingdom. That's the picture of salvation. That's the picture of hope. And prayer is the perfect picture as it reminds us of our utter dependence upon God. Friends, it seems like Luke is helping us to understand that we need to seek this posture in prayer, the posture that's acceptable, a posture that is found in the widow as she is persistent, recognizing her need of the judge, the the posture of the tax collector as he won't even look to the heavens but beats his chest and his simple prayer is, be merciful to me. Or as a child who is brought by their parents to Jesus, we all need to come fully dependent. The question is, for each of us, Do we come as a child? Have we come as a child fully dependent upon Christ for everything? It's not enough to say we have the right theology. It's not enough to say that we've done enough good things. It's not enough even to be regular and persistent in our church attendance. It's about utter dependence Upon Christ alone. It's about trusting Him with everything. This is the real matter that Luke has placed before us. So I ask you have you come fully dependent upon Christ? Are you trusting Him for everything? Not just in the good times, but are you trusting Him in the hard times? in those hard seasons of life where only prayer makes sense. Friends, Luke helps us see that we live between the already and the not yet. And while we live between the two, we are facing hard seasons of life, and therefore prayer is a blessing. His point is simple. We need to pray with persistence. We need to pray with utter dependence. We need to pray to Christ. For just like a child, we need to be brought to Jesus. That's why in verse 14, we're given the real focus of the whole series. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. May we be humbled before Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we shut our Bibles, as we turn from a text which has developed for us a real understanding of what prayer is, may we be hungry to be dependent. May we be hungry to be reminded of our utter dependence. God, may we understand that all of us must come as a child, for there is no other way into the kingdom. We must come fully depending upon Christ. And Lord, we pray that the content of our prayer would show our heart that we would not be one who puffs ourselves up and speaks of our accolades, but that we would recognize our utter dependence for your mercy. For we ourselves are sinners in need of Christ. And Lord, may we be persistent as the picture of the widow who was persistent. May we not grow tired or weary in seeking your help. But may we know that you are a good God 
who gives and cares for his people as a perfect father. Thank you for all you've done and all you will do. Strengthen us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.